You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lip from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary never faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, DBN. How you doing tonight, dude? Doing okay. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction as always. I'm feeling fine. You know, it was a uh, it was a good weekend. I did a lot of uh crazy things, you know, that that I didn't think I would uh I would ever say that I've done. I've I've got one that I, I can I can almost guarantee you'll never be able to guess the activity I did. You ate a raw bird. Wow. You know what? Close. I would I would never have been able to guess that activity if you had done it. Uh no. <laughs> no. I uh I tried uh and played a game and learned how to curl. Like I went curling. Oh. Wait, is that the game where they push something on the ice and you swipe the brooms on it? Yep, 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 yep. That's the one. It's like, like, just like on the Olympics. Uh, bro, we had a conversation about curling at Lux this week because our question of the week was, "What Olympic sport would you do if you could do any?" And uh, one of the guys in the studio's response was curling. He wanted to do curling. So how was how, now I'm really interested. Yeah, how was your curling experience? Well, well, that's perfect. You'll have to direct him to the episode because. Uh, yeah, no, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Um, so we uh, we went, uh, and you know the the crazy thing is, of course, the rink or whatever. It's like kept at forty degrees, so it's like really cold. So like it, it was like seventy five out. We're like walking in with like hoodies and hats and everything. And by the end, like my feet were really cold because you're walking on the ice the whole time, right? Yeah. But uh but man it, it's hard. You like you don't realize how much stuff goes into it. It's very it's a very finesse sport and like I mean I had I th- I guess I threw cuz you 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 kind of rotate through when you play a game like you don't always throw. Like you throw and you you do the sweeping and then you also like basically like do almost like you're a catcher in baseball or whatever where you're like calling and like trying to tell them on the other side where to go. Like- they're you like, know? like stop sweeping or like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Harder, exactly like not so much ease Ex- up ease up yeah exactly but you know what's crazy too is it is so much longer like the court or whatever like from one side to the other it is so much longer than it looks like on tv holy crap like you really have to like put a lot into i mean it, it, ca- it carries momentum but like sure if you if you don't do it enough, it won't be in play. And if you do it too much, it goes out the back. And so it's just like, there's so much detail uh, work in it, but uh, man, it was so much fun. Like I recommend if anybody gets a chance to try out curling, you know, don't, don't blink. Cause it's, it's really cool. It's really fun. And um, you know, I mean, as long as you're not being an idiot, it's pretty safe too. Like, I, I don't think I only saw one person like slip, but it wasn't like they like really ate it or anything. So like, it, cause you wear these little rubber, like almost like little mitts to go over the bottom of your shoes, like little rubber things. So you can walk around on the ice. I mean, in the Olympics, they're in, they're on skates in the Olympics, right? Like, no, side no. Skating. Oh, they're not. Oh no, okay. yeah. They've got, um, like special, uh, soles on their shoes so they can like walk next to the, the stone or whatever. Um, uh, but, but, but the, uh, but the person that, that, um, that like tosses it out or, or like pushes it out. 
they have one shoe which is normal and they push off a little runner's block like i guess the kind of like how you have like a starting block but then their other foot is on this little slider thing which is like made of like teflon on the bottom so it has like no friction so like you, you have oh. one foot that that can be like stable and then you kind of drag behind i guess and then the other okay. foot is like you're in a you're in like a kneeling position, like a lunging position with this foot in front that has like Teflon on the bottom. So you're just like sliding. And the hard part is not letting your knee like move to the left and right while you're while you're trying to slide straight. You have to like really like stabilize over that over that one leg. It, it was cool, man. It, it was really cool. I don't know what it has to do with LOR, but it was cool. It do, it doesn't, but that's okay. Uh, Something so about Frailyard. They probably uh, yeah, curl. About Braum curls. That's right. He curls <laughs> with poros, though. Like, he rolls the poros down. <laughs> See, I related he, it. I related it. He he waxes the bottom of the overwhelmed poro and then pushes <laughs> him down the, yeah. the thing. And you select different poros based off of what shot you're trying to take. I'm I, sure. The elusive poro to slip through to the target without hitting any of the other stones. Yeah. I would play that game. Buy it. The first attack poro to knock somebody out. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. Makes sense. So cool. Um, Okay. So uh, I have a story, but mine's an LOR story. So I don't know. You weren't on my stream. Did you watch me play my match for the league this past week? I don't Uh, think that you did. No. So on Friday, I played my match on stream, and Mm -hmm. it was so much fun. It was the evens and odds. was It was the most fun that I've had. I lost my first round uh, to, like, an aggressive deck, and I was playing – uh, I think I can't even remember exactly which deck it was that I was playing because that's how like the first game was not. Oh, they, they banned my uh, my evens uh, feel the rush deck. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't play it. Mm-hmm. So I played my even my odds Aphelios Zoe deck with mm-hmm. Catastrophe and Tribeam in it. And uh, and on I lost the first game to a pretty aggressive list. And then the second game I played, and they played something that was, like, also the same regions, but it was Zoe with something else. And uh, it went to the very end, dude. It was nonstop. It could, like, neither of us could win. We were both in top deck mode. It took forever. The game was so long. He had gotten, like, each of us had gotten, like, an eight point tri beam off, like, throughout the game. And and it looked like we were going to win only to get, like, a top deck that, like, pulled off the GameStop. I ended up pulling out the game because I played Catastrophe for real yes. and summoned a 30-30 yes. that was overwhelmed that he just didn't have a top deck to deal with because how are you going to deal with that with PNZ and and uh, and Targon unless you get an Obliterate uh, card? And, oh, my. So he won with Catastrophe, and then I actually was kind of like, I can lose every other game in the league at this point on. You, you I don't have care if won. I win this. Like, you're a I winner. Have yeah, because I won with Catastrophe, and it's the first time I've literally ever played the card in a deck, I think, was was this game. Uh, I did end up winning my with my odds uh, pirate aggro deck um, playing MFGP uh, pirate aggro and ended up pulling that one out just kind of by the skin of my teeth. But, man, I had so much fun. Uh, the league was a blast. The My first round of it, anyway, was so much fun. I'm really looking forward to... Uh, to the second week, which by the time this episode's out, you know, we'll be well into mm-hmm. the week, second week of of the league. And I, I did notice that some significant players in the league have been taken down. The Gibbles and Bits lost his first round, and he's not here, so we can talk about that. 
and uh, and Nerf Lulu, who's the champ, has been the champ twice, lost his first round as well. Yes, and uh, also amongst those illustrious players, I myself lost my first round. Oh no! <laughs> I'm the only host with the victory. That's right. In round one. <laughs> you know, oh, we went from we, like last season. Uh, Gibby and I were top four after the the Swiss, and now we've already lost it in the losers bracket. So. Oh, it's a mess. Um, yeah, no, my games uh, were against A. Curry and uh, lost <laughs> lost twice in a row. Did not win. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I one of the games I literally was one point off lethal, which was a bummer. Um, so that and then and then lost on the uh, opposing swing. Um, so yeah, that I mean that one didn't feel great. Um, but. Um, and then the other the other game, actually the first game, I just I played a, a pretty aggressive list, um, and uh, I, I chickened out of some of my weirder, wonkier uh, builds, mm. and I played what I thought was like, ah, oh, this is like it's going to be consistent, it's like aggressive, and it's just Bandle City go wide, whatever. And darn it, if I didn't seem to brick my hand uh, with like. I don't know, 12 one drops in the list. I didn't draw one on one or two. <laughs> and so I'm oh, sitting there like, oh ouch. no. So like I I like I I get to turn three and I finally draw like a double trouble. So like I start trying to get my board together, but I'm like, I didn't get the swing on on one or two. Didn't get any units down and uh just didn't seem to do well. So so I'm just putting the warning out there. I don't know who I'm playing next week, but I'm playing all fresh lists that I brewed up. <laughs> Uh, I brewed up this weekend and uh, I did scrim Gibby with them and I did beat Gibby in my scrim. So watch out if you're playing me this, this week. Watch <laughs> out. Two people in the losers bracket. <laughs> losing to somebody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tested against another loser. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it feels good to be. I mean, the last uh, three leagues I've been in. I mean, I, in League One, I went to the the championship and lost against Static Sheep. And the and then in the next three, I was not even a contender. So it feels good <laughs> to have won with catastrophe. There you go. Uh, and I actually think my pirate aggro deck is really strong. I, I think it's legitimately a very good deck. And I think feel the rush is very good. Certainly, mm -hmm. my catastrophe is the most memey and not great deck yeah. that I have. Uh, one hundred percent. But you know what? Like as it turns out, if you're playing against another deck that wants the the deck that I won against was a nami zoe deck i believe or something like that it was nami and some other elusive and it was just elusives and uh, mm -hmm. the even odds works really well with elusives because you have nami and then you have that guy that every time you cast two spells buffs the entire board by mm -hmm. plus one plus one mm -hmm. and you can put both of those in your deck with bubble bear and that's what i lost to i lost to bubble bear bubble bear absolutely he his bubble bear was like 15 he had like 15 That's attacks amazing. on his bubble bear. That sounds fun. Like I, I just absolutely could not. I, I was like, I had so many times where it was like, oh, you know what? I can get rid of this bubble bear. And then I could not get rid of the bubble bear. Um, So uh, it was it was really good. It was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It, but it was 
it was fun, and I'm really glad that we did it. I want to make a quick announcement and just thank all of our patrons. Uh, yeah, that was a big transition there. Patrons over to patreon.com slash legendscast. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you want to become a supporter of the show, swing over to Patreon. We haven't said that the past couple of weeks, uh, but you can swing over to Patreon and support us over there. I do want to say thank you to a couple of, uh, of winners. I couldn't remember the last time we drew a winner. I know we did not draw a winner in September. I know that for a fact. So we're gonna do uh, we're we're gonna do a drawing now for September. So uh, for September, I want to thank every one of our patrons. Our winner, though, for their Legends Cast swag this month is Corey L, um, which I think is the tenth Doctor Forever. Um, and so Corey L, if you're listening to the episode, reach out to me and let me know, or I'll try to reach out to you. Let me know a shirt size and an address to send it to, and we will get a Legends Cast t-shirt out to you. I think that Corey L had won something in the past, but I'm like 99% sure that was in the pint class or the or the hat days, not in uh not in, you know, the current the current meta, which is t-shirt meta. <laughs> the, uh, the swag meta. <laughs> yeah, the swag meta, I think I think he won in a different swag meta, so we're fine with shipping you a t-shirt a lot of the people amongst our list has have won at one point or another at this point not all of them but many of them also want to say a special thank you to our friend uh six summit who is a return supporter to the show um so he was a supporter before and then something with you know patreon changing policies or some junk anyway he wasn't and now now he is again and so thank you so much six summit really appreciate you and thank you for the support um yeah you're you're just awesome man you're just awesome thank you so much for showing some support actually uh, actually i b- i believe uh i'm looking at it now um six summit actually uh increased the monthly donation is what it was he incre- um, oh okay yeah awesome yep uh i mean i don't know on the patreon side but that's what he said uh in the in the patreon exclusive channel where we can chat with all the people that we love more than everyone else because they give us money <laughs> that is so true so it's true. not true uh, we swear <laughs> we love all of you <laughs> anyway yes he increased his amount so thank you so much for that and it looks like he's been a patron since uh about well, december of 2020 so yep. coming up on a year mm-hmm. of support there from six summit we really appreciate yeah. you and we appreciate every one of our patrons over there you guys are all awesome thank you so much mm-hmm. for for what you do to support the show uh but we had to make some uh non-ideal decks that's uh, God, that's right didn't we <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and uh and with one of your least favorite champions. So why don't we go ahead and jump over into our segment Two Champs in a Hat? Ah, the sweet smell of science. Okay, guys, uh this week's Two Champs in a Hat, which was drawn a couple of weeks ago, we talked about last week at the very end of the episode. So you might have actually quit listening to the episode before we announced it. Um, but we had to do Pike and Fiora, and as we all know, DBN loves Fiora. Um, and so we each kind of came up with our own version of the deck. Although you can imagine, right, the synergy sort of writes itself to a certain amount uh, because of, you know, they both want to strike things. So it just makes sense. But I'm curious, DBN, I want to hear about your take and, and the direction that you went. And maybe some of the cards that you were actually excited about because splashing Fiora with uh, Bilgewater kind of left me excited about a couple of things from this list. So. Tell us about your uh, your list, Fiora and, and Pike. Sure, yeah. So, um, 
I mean, I went off of the principle here that um, Fiora and Pike basically want to achieve the same thing, which is strike enough things and live in the process to win the game. Now, Fiora obviously literally wins the game, um, but doesn't protect herself when she attacks. Uh, she doesn't have quick attack. Meanwhile, you have Pike, who um, doesn't outright win the game, but if you can get Pike leveled, then any amount of killing one thing likely results in killing everything, right? So how do we best achieve that? Well, look, you could put in all 21 Lurk cards that are in Bilgewater, except that like most of them are bad and unusable, uh, within the context of trying to actually work Fiora in. So, like, if you really wanted to, like, try to ignore Fiora and really just play a Pike deck, you could try, and I did, and it sucked. So don't actually try. I did that for you. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. So uh, instead, um, I started looking at basically trying to make a challenge-focused list. Um, and, I, I, Mark, I sent you the... Uh, the list i made a couple yeah, I'm, small I'm looking, changes since then but it's largely the same and the idea is um trying to maintain and control the board um through lots of different challenges but also a lot of buffs right so i've got obviously sharp sight worked in there we've got pocket aces which i felt pretty good about including because that's a permanent buff okay so if mm -hmm. you slap that on pike and that's a really good one to slap on pike i've actually I, I was at two and I've actually increased it to three since, uh, since I sent you the list. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, so you've got hired guns and Redfin hammer snouts to hand out uh, vulnerable. You have a uh, bright steel protector to give barrier. You have honored Lord, uh, to kind of give an additional little synergy with, with, you know, handing out vulnerable and whatnot. Um, and then you have fortune croakers, which are really the only way I could, fine to draw cards consistently um but being as you need these things to kill things we have prismatic barriers and repost or repost i'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that i think it's repost i've I never i've never been sure about that um and then concerted strikes uh pretty great obviously get some kills and then the one I feel probably best about, which is the only games I seem to win with this, and I did win with each of them. I think that was the success of this, was that Pike and Fiora, I successfully made it so that as long as I got one of them and adequately protected them, I could win the game. And it didn't matter which one. Like, the cards that I'd put in supported both, and I feel like that was a success. But the main thing that would win me the games with either of them is Unyielding Spirit. And... Nobody plays around it anymore. So you mm -hmm. just sit there and you wait until they run out of mana. You hoard your mana. You slap Unyielding Spirit down. And unless they have a top deck Sunburst, which happened to me, uh, then you they basically usually GG out after that. So I've won, I think, uh, three games total. Um, okay, okay. And, and, you know, I lost about four or five with the current version. I lost a lot more with the old version. Um, but a couple of the games were close ones, so like it it can win. Why why you'd ever run it over a strictly Fiora deck or a strictly Pike deck? I have no idea. You're a glutton for punishment. But uh, you know, I, I will say as much as I hate Fiora, the this this deck building challenge did intrigue me. And even though I'm not as successful as I wish I was, and it wasn't quite as 
clean. I definitely did enjoy this because it felt like Fiora and Pike did have something in common uh, to yes. try to work towards. So how, how did yours go? Well, I agree. Uh, like our other lists, they just, we didn't have much in common with our other lists. You know, that was like a lot of things that were cool, but just, you know, what are you going to do with, with Malkai and Leona? You know, like there, there's no synergy whatsoever no. there. Uh, not at all. And so for me, I enjoyed this too, because it was like, okay, we're trying to win the game by striking things. That is clear. I now know what we're going to do. And I went for a slightly different look than you did. It's very similar. A lot of our cards are similar. But I went for a little bit more of like a control list. I have a lot less creatures in my deck than what you have. So, and I did not go with Unyielding Spirit. It was just like, I was sort of like, okay, can I control the game, the board at the beginning of the game by getting a Fiora or a Pike on the board? And can that Fiora or Pike sort of uh, demoralize my opponent or cause a surrender? Can I protect them? So, uh, I, you know, a lot of my stuff was the same. I think notable differences, I ran Make It Rain just because early game it was so capable of slowing people down. I did run Hired Gun and Bright Steel, but those are my only two uh, creatures that are not Fiora or Pike. Everything else in my deck is a spell, which um, allowed me to include not just Riposte and, uh, and Prismatic Barrier and Pocket Aces, and sharp sight, which mm -hmm. I did, but it also enabled me to run bone skewer for mm -hmm. Pike. And sometimes mm -hmm. you just need a bone skewer, even though it threw your Fiora in the top of your deck. Um, Golden Aegis, uh, which allowed me to rally and gain a barrier on my Fiora or my Pike. Um, it allowed me to run Salvage, which was my main draw, and then it allowed me to run Monster Harpoon. Mm -hmm. um, which was some of my removal. So it was more along the lines of, okay, if you're not going to block my pike, I might be able to get some damage through on you. And then Monster Harpoon, if you are going to block my pike, I can Prismatic Barrier or Pocket Aces at burst speed or Repost at burst speed. You know, you get Fiora on the board, and I wasn't always able to protect her, but a lot of times I was able to use her to Bone Skewer or Single Combat or Concerted Strike something off the board before they got rid of her. Sometimes Prismatic Barrier was just kind of the champ in this deck. The Prismatic Barrier was so strong yeah. um, to prevent an opponent. Uh, I, I did find the Monster Harpoon to be pretty valuable, though, because it is hard to get rid of sort of chunky boys. Mm -hmm. And if you can get a ping, even if you can't get a ping on face, you know, it, it's very unlikely that Pike cannot kill something even at two attack if you're dealing five to it before pike deals like there's almost nothing with more than seven health right um that you're gonna go up against so a lot of times you know they would take the block and think they were fine and then you could monster harpoon and let pike trade into it um i had a pretty decent amount of success with this deck i will say this two of my games people just surrendered when they saw fiora i believe yeah you know that's um, a good strategy normally that's one i typically like to employ myself so whatever you're up against <laughs> the fiora is just ah, uh, quick surrender just like um, you know let's just save everyone the time and the uh, anger and uh you know just not play the game <laughs> <laughs> i do think this is one of the first times i've played pike or messed around with pike when it wasn't in a lab mm -hmm. um and uh and I actually, I liked him. I didn't love how pre-built the Pike Rexi deck was, right? It was just yeah. so done before I ever got my hands on it. So yep. I never, it was just so clear. There was no experimentation with it within the first three days of the them hitting the, the game. Mm -hmm. So I never went to them because I just wasn't excited about it. Um, but trying to play Pike in a suboptimal way, um, finding ways to boost Pike's attack with, 
pocket aces mm-hmm. with sharp sight with riposte it was like that works so stinking well because all of those cards work with fiora but in distinctly different ways those cards protect fiora and allow her to uh you know survive trades for pike they those cards attack, allowed yeah. it they buff your attack allowing you to trade up with your quick attack um when your opponent didn't ins- expect mm-hmm. it you know where fiora can challenge pike can kind of trick the opponent because you do want to get rid of him because even if he does get his damage through like he's still working towards level up um love that about it yeah you know i i think um i i agree i i expected pike to be a little more playable outside of rexai obviously rexai unplayable outside of lurk but um i i was really hoping that pike would be playable um and, and it, it hasn't proven to be so but i think that there's um opportunity for that to change if two things happen one if they print a, just a little bit more lurk especially lurk mm-hmm. cards in the sort of higher range of costs um you know four five six maybe even in the bilgewater side because a lot of the bilgewater cards you have the y'all fish at eight but then there it's like i think like a one and a two and another one and another one so you have like three one drops a two drop pike and the y'all fish i'm pretty sure that's it um, I think the one one drop, the one one you drop. You have the Ripper's is... Bay. You have the snap. Oh, and then you have the two. You have two two drops, two one drops, Pike and y'all fish. Yeah, I technically blood bait is a lurk card that is a one. drop. Yeah, that's what that's what I was referring to. Because you have oh, Ripper's okay, Bay. Oh no, that's yeah. So three one drops, two two drops. Yeah, yeah. but I mean two, the two the point is yeah. like like without full lurk, Snapjaw Swarm and blood bait are kind of crap because like you. The the free attack is not going to trigger lurk super consistently if you don't have a full solid, you know, grouping. And Ripper's Bay is just terrible no matter what. So that's three of your potential lurk units, like lurk cards that you would play in like a hybrid lurk deck with Pike gone. So if they included like a couple more like just vaguely playable like units in like the three, four, five, six range. A, a three, a solid three drop with Lurk would be huge. Right. Be- because like your red fan is already good enough because it throws out the, um, it throws out the vulnerable. Uh, you've got the one drop that's a one two, which that's fine. I would play that probably. You know, blank one mana one two with lurk. That's fine. You know, Pike's good. Yawfish is okay, but even that arguably doesn't make the cut if you're not in a full lurk package, right? So if you had some sort of like uh, lurk uh, unit that maybe generated another lurk in hand or something along those lines, um, then all of a sudden, because Pike, I've realized. Pike just needs like one or two points of attack stat to just be fine on his own. He doesn't yeah. need to get to like seven or eight. He just needs to get to like four, right? Yeah, if he and, comes down as a four mana, four, three, he's perfect. And he's so fine. either they need to print more lurk, which I'm doubting that they'll do, but you never know. Or or two, uh, they just need to add a point or two to his attack stat base, right? And sure, that buffs lurk. Uh, as like a built, pre-built deck with Rek'Sai, but it also does allow Pike to operate, you know, outside of the uh, pure Lurk package. And if you wanted to, you could accompany that with an increase to how much he has to hit to level. Like, I don't care. Um, but the, yeah. the point being, he needs to be able to right away make a bigger impact with his attack stat without having to throw a ton of mana into it. Because that was the bigger problem, was that you'd have Pike, you need to 
um, you want to attack and start charging up his thing. But unless you threw out enough vulnerable things, which is why I had the red fence, why I had the hired gun down, was because unless I'm pulling one drops, I can't kill anything with it, which means the only card that was really gold in that situation was repost or repost because it gives stats, uh, it gives attack stats and, and protects, right? So like you need to protect it. That's a given. That's like 90% of the champs you have to protect. So you have those cards sitting there ready to protect, but he also needs stats to do anything, preferably ones that stick. And if you're not lurking, you got to find another way to do that. And so that was, um, but I, but I, what I, and I think pocket aces was kind of the response. For yes. Both of us. And, that and, was the go-to card to buff. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we both ended up with in our lists, um, which was very successful. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think that there is potential down the road. If anything, this this assured me that, like, it's not too late. Pike can still be viable outside of Rek'Sai if they just do one or two little things to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I am hoping that we are going to get more, because if you do think about it, there was some sea monsters, some toss cards. That's true. That we did get after the fact. I mean, one of the best toss cards that you literally have was the uh was the two mana two three that we got more recently um that every time another creature dies you toss yep. one yep um and and it was a sea monster and when it dies you toss one that's a very good card I think the promise the problem with that that deck in, in particular wasn't so much that like oh we were missing one good sea monster or one good toss card to either make Malkai or Nautilus viable it's that Malkai and Nautilus have nothing outside of themselves that they're viable with whereas Pike, and I think that I think Rexai falls to the same exact problem. But Pike, in particular, is synergistic with some other cards. Yeah. That if he got a little bit more support in Bilgewater, he could break out of Bilgewater. So I think if we saw like a three drop that was like one of the strongest lurk cards that came out, a three drop in Bilgewater, similar to what the Scarab is uh, for Toss. I think that you would see Pike able to break free, which is exciting because the Pike for both of us is more is a more exciting champion than Fiora. He's just more pigeonholed than Fiora. Absolutely. And he has a really cool card in the list, which you really ideally would want to use with him, but it, it doesn't belong in in um Pike Rexai. Like you don't you don't use it in Pike Rexai. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I, I mean the, I actually have had some really good success with the list in Renekton deck, right? Where I run Renekton mm. Pike and played the list. Problem was at the end of the 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 uh, um, my time playing that list, I had cut Pike because I was like, I just want Renekton. I don't I, with the list. I don't want Pike anywhere <laughs> near it. I don't have any. He's so weak. He has no stats. So like it was uh, that. I mean, just that. That's the thing to remember is it 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 has legs, you know, but they're little weak, spindly ones. And so if you just put some meat on those bones, you know, he's ready to walk away from from Rexai. And I'm really happy with where that analogy landed. So I think we should move to the next uh, next segment. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And I'm leading the next one for us. No more holding back! Okay, guys, welcome to the next segment of the show. We are doing Mark's Cosmetic Closet. Um, and in this show, we rate when cosmetics come out, which ones we like, which ones we don't like, and we talk about them. In this week in the Legends of Runeterra, we got a new skin pack that came with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven skins. One, two, three, four, five, 
six skins. Uh, six new skins came out. Uh, we got the Battle Academia skins, which I would have to think, does this have something to do with the anime? Is there an anime called Battle Academia, right? Is that... Has to, does this have something to do with the animes? With the skin, with what the kids are watching on the on the with to, them on Japanese Rolls, cartoonies. That, that app, that app Tootsie Roll that they watch it on. You know? uh, uh, look, I I don't know. I mean, it's a from. I mean, I'm not the biggest. You know, I love anime, but I'm picky about well, it. So okay, I don't My Hero but, Academia. Right? Yeah, that's but that's different. About. That's a different thing, though. I think this what this is just playing into the school like like this is there's an entire sub genre of anime which is like like school anime whether it's super okay. powered school witches or super powered you know or just like slice of life stuff like the 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 acad like the academia vibe like is a huge part of like um you know, anime kind of culture and stuff like that. So it's really just more of a generic homage, I th I think, um, to that whole sort of anime subgenre. Got you. Well, listen, I'm a dad. I don't have time for anime. I can't mm -hmm. keep track of these stories these kids watch. You don't want to watch um, 1,100 episodes of One Piece? Oh, jeez, no. Um, I I've tried to watch a couple animes, not so successfully. So, okay, so anime is not the most appealing thing to me. That being said, I do actually like the art. I love the art of anime, so I was pretty excited to see these skins. So we got Battle Academia, and I'm not going to say that over and over again because that's the name of all of them, Battle Academia, then their names. We got uh, uh, Katarina. We got Poppy, Leona, Ezreal, Caitlyn, and Lux. All of those skins are just skins. They're not going to be new voice lines or new level-up animations, with the exception of Lux. Lux has a uh, not only a new level up animation, but her final spark is also sort of an anime style final spark, both in the card and in the way it's sort of comic booky as it comes across the board as well. Um, so Battle Academia Lux, new artwork, new level up animations uh, and, and other features uh, as well. Um, now, we've had a lot of cosmetics before. I, I don't think we need to go through and rate each and every one of these, but I am curious, DBN, kind of like what your thought was on the lot of them. Did you buy any? Is there any that like any of the skins that stuck out to you as being like, wow, that one's really cool? Uh, I, I do know that we've both had a similar critique, which is I wish they wouldn't just give a new level up animation to one of them. I wish they would all be more expensive and they all have new level up animations. Um, yeah. Which I'm feeling in this for sure, even as a person who loves the character Lux, and I love the card in the game too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a it's an interesting situation because I I will admit I was actually kind of excited by the concept uh, of the you know battle academia, um, but I am I am struck with two issues. Uh, the first being I like the static art, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't like any of these champions. So like, okay. I mean, I look at this and I'd say like, let's see, Lux, Ezreal, Poppy, Caitlyn, Leona, Katarina. Katarina. The only one that I play any level of consistently is Leona. The problem is, mm, I kind of like Leona. That like, I I I don't. I look at this artwork and I don't see Leona. Like I see something yeah. looks too different. And for the rest of them, I actually think Katarina's artwork is is pro is pretty cool. I really like Katarina's actually. 
but I, I, I don't but, play Katarina because she's terrible. So it's like I'm not buying that one. It has been trash forever. Yeah, and then Caitlin <laughs> Poppy, Ezreal Lux. I, 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 nothing stands out to me as being particularly cool in this artwork, nor do I play those champions at all. So it's like the only one with cool artwork is Katarina, arguably the worst champion. This is all preference to me. but And then the only sure. character that I like to play in the game, I don't like the artwork. So I, I don't want to like bash the concept because like it is fun to look at the artwork and to see the background details and stuff. But I, I just, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't really want to spend any money on these. And I'm personally disappointed that we didn't get Professor Braum. I want to see Braum dressed up like a like a school professor all right that's all i want just let me spend money on brahm and vlad please literally asking for bad champions so katarina is your favorite piece of artwork in terms of skins yes which of them was your least favorite like which one are you the least likely to buy uh you know i hate to say it but either poppy or lux okay uh so i i, I mean i don't Again, like the Lux animation is all right, but it's I, it doesn't stand out to me. Like it, it's not cool to me. It's like very goody goody two shoes, I guess. Which is I guess Lux's whole deal, right? Sure, that's kind of her vibe. That's kind of her vibe. Um, which isn't what I'm looking for. I don't know. Uh, and Poppy is boring and just seems I don't know dumb. Poppies is dumb. I think Poppies is my least favorite. I think Poppies is really stupid. And I can't tell you why, but it's the smirk that it's just like, okay, tiny little thing that somehow is super strong and wields a giant magical hammer. Like, I think you're dumb in the first place. I don't need you smirking in my face. Okay, especially considering how good you are and broken in, in the game itself. She's very good right now. Yeah, she's very strong. It's just like, um, I don't, I just hate it. I, yeah. Okay, well, let me share a couple of thoughts. Uh, first off, the it's interesting because I would say arguably Leona, Katarina, Lux, really not seeing any play at all right now. Ezreal, Fringe, Caitlyn, Fringe, Ezreal, Ezreal will always be in the game. Ezreal will never not Ezreal. be in the game. Ezreal will always be in the game. So if you were gonna like, so if you were gonna buy skins based off of how many games I'm going to get out of the characters, Ez. if you're a meta player, Ezreal's the the safest bet, probably, right? And I think his um, art's cool, but not see, enough now, for me to want to buy it because I don't like Ezreal. <laughs> it's good, see, but I don't I like it. Caitlyn, I would agree. I think Caitlyn has some of the coolest artwork of the bunch. Yes. Um, especially her leveled up artwork as she's like cutting a robot like mm -hmm. clean in half or something. Um, I, I do think that her, her artwork is really cool. I don't know that it's my favorite, um, but I really like it. I like it. My least favorite is actually Ezreal. Um, I do mm. not like Ezreal's artwork. I, I don't. Uh, maybe it's just the hair of anime guys that I don't love. Um, but he has like a real DBZ going on here and it's my least favorite of the artwork, which Ezreal was one of my least likely to buy because I actually do play Ezreal a decent amount. I play, uh, an Ezreal Ash deck that I really enjoy. Um, Leona, I, I didn't mind her artwork, but I agreed at first it was, it was almost, it's not so much that it's a divergent from Leona. It's that I don't know how much I want a skin of Leona because then I would want a skin of every other Daybreak card. 
because yeah. they're such a package deal. They are. Right? They all are golden and shiny and don't ma- and I have most of them prismatic because of that reason. Yeah, that that's a great point. Sure. Caitlin, I thought was Fiora for like the first two days. Uh definitely didn't realize it was a gun and not a sword that she was carrying. Um looking at it now, like I understand that it's a sword. It's not it's not horrible, but there's not any action going on in either of her pieces of artwork, no. right? Like, I think her normal artwork is cooler because there's more action in yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually liked Poppy only for the reason that because she's, like, this weird Yurtle character, she still looks like a weird Yurtle character. And so she would actually fit in with the rest of Bandal City with this skin or in her normal skin. Like, mm. you would look at this and it's not that much different no, than, um, than what other stuff you see in Yurtle City. Which brings me to Lux, which is one of my favorite champions in the game. Love playing Lux. Um, and and I got the new level up animation. And I love the new artwork for the final spark. I think it's really, really cool. Um my only issue and the thing that's held me off from buying it is they made her hair red. And the blonde hair of Lux is so iconic to her character that I looked at this very much as you looked at Leona with blue hair and said, this doesn't look like Leona. And I looked at Lux and I said, this doesn't look like Lux. I think this would be my favorite and I would have bought it right away if this character had blonde hair. Um, It could be too. You know what? Like I bought skins in the in the ruination event and I mm-hmm. bought skins in the cosmic event, but I did not buy skins in pool party. And I think some of it is too, is the, the, the battle academia and the pool party skins are enormous divergences just from the mm-hmm. vanilla artwork of the game. You know, whereas the ruination event and the <clears throat> cosmic event, not quite so much, you know, I actually, um, so I, I, so also something cool that happened this weekend besides curling, I got to hang out with my parents. They came and visited, uh, for the weekend. And during that time, I had a conversation with uh, Deadbrook Dad. Uh, and uh, we were talking about LOR. And he was saying to me, he's like, you know, it's it's a great game. Um, I really enjoy, you know, playing it. Um, now, I know he happens to uh, play a lot of the um, Saltwater Scourge and the AI modes and stuff like that a lot. He, he's kind of more of the, you know, solo, you know, player. Um, but he, you know, as somebody who likes card games, he really enjoys, you know, logging in, getting the rewards, seeing all this stuff. And, uh, we were talking about, um, the aesthetic and Mm -hmm. he was saying, you know, I, I really like parts of it, but then I get characters, uh, like the Yordles or like Fizz and as fun as they are and as funny as their, their voice lines and interactions are. He said it takes me out of the immersion in many ways because it doesn't feel cohesive. I it's think jarring. It's jarring. And I think that that's the issue with a lot of these skins, not all of them. I think, you know, we've had the, the Sentinel uh, ruined ones. That That is in the lore of the, the thing. It feels consistent. Right, even like the the sand wraith and sandstorm ones when uh, Sharima mm-hmm. that expansion came out, that felt okay. But you're right, the pool party skins, uh, as fun as they are, as funny as they are, and uh, you know maybe even the dark star ones. Although I really like one or two of them, um, it, it, the tone is different, and it's the same with these battle academia ones. Is it enough to say, oh, like? I I I um 
I don't want to play the game because I see these skins that are different. For me, no. Um, but it is something that I look at very critically and, and dissuades me a lot of times from buying the skins. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is I, I feel that way 100%. In the Dark Star campaign stuff, the only one that I bought was Shivana. And the only reason I bought that was because I was like, oh, I can play Shivana with Aurelian Soul and have two cosmic dragons. And it would be like Aurelian Soul sort of corrupted Shivana. Yeah. So I could create a story that went along with the cosmetic that I was using and it didn't break me out of immersion in the game. And it's interesting because it, it does feel like when I played Hearthstone, the cosmetics never broke immersion for me. That certainly was the case in Tessel. Like, that never happened in Tessel. Tessel was a very immersive card game in that way um, in terms of artwork and direction and, and cosmetics. Um, but these are it, – it's just very different. I'm, and I'm not saying that I hate it, um, but I, I agree. Like, I'm really glad that I own the Riven skin because I think the Riven skin's good. And I agree. I think the sand ones fit fine. But the pool party and the and – the, and the Battle Academia specifically, like, if you're caring at all about feeling like some level of cohesion in the art direction of your deck, then it's going to be hard to use these skins yep. for you. Yep. And and I, I, and I think that that is a really good distillation of why Leona stuck out like a sore thumb, even though it's one of my favorite champions. And same for you with, with Lux. So, um, yeah, just uh, an interesting thing. The, all that being said, darn it. You know, the art of Katarina made me want to play Katarina and and made me want to, like, wish it was good. I'm not going to spend money on it because I know it's not. But, I mean... It's not going to get good. But I really did think that the Katarina art, to me, was really cool. I, I actually like the first uh, animation, or the first uh, level, more, uh, in fact, because she's like, there's just so much character and like attitude as she's walking down the hallway with the, the graffiti. And, you know, there's a couple people that are like sort of sitting there, you know, or, or like watching as she walks by like, oh, better stay out of her way, you know, and it's like, it's cool. You know, I, I really like mm -hmm. that one. And then the level up animation is very has a lot of action in it, and, and like you said, it, it's it's pretty neat. Motion. But if you look, you can actually see uh, Darius with a giant axe in the background of both both images. Uh, oh, that's cool. Which is yeah, which is really neat. The first one, he's sort of leaned up, like watching her walk by, um, and uh, he seems to be like the only person that's not like looking away uh, and not intimidated. And then he's actually that's up up on like a balcony, like sitting on a roof of something watching as she cuts through the robot in the background. So it's just kind of cool. Yeah, they do leave. And they did that uh, with the beach, the beach stuff mm -hmm. too. Like they left a cruise ship in the background that was very clearly Leviathan. Yeah. And like they, the, the, the team is insanely good at leaving little Easter eggs like that. Uh, even cross sort of like universes or whatever. Uh, the other cosmetics got two card backs. Uh, I could not figure out what was going on with Ezreal at first. He has a piece. Of, he has a sandwich in his mouth. I think. Um, actually, like the Lux card back. I think it's cool. Um, we got a couple of emotes. We got Caitlyn and we got a new Ezreal emote. Um, once again, I do like my emotes to be relatively immersive to match my character. So that's why, like, I'm such a big fan of like the Shivana emote that came with the pack because you get like the, the fire dragon. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It doesn't break the immersion, uh, which is one of the reasons like I never use a KDA emote, right? Like the KDA emotes, just like yep. I never use them because they were so far from being part of the world that I was trying to play in. 
Um, but the board as well. We got the Battle Academia board, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like a board connoisseur. Like you like boards are like your favorite cosmetic. What's your what was your feelings on the board? Yeah. So um, a big thing it's with like the a football bo- pitch or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, a big thing with boards to me is the music. And I actually have not gotten around to checking out what it sounds like yet. So that's okay. that's maybe that's not like a fair thing. However, there is one touch of this that I absolutely adore. And that's the fact that your bench before you assign them is literally a bench like like yeah. in a in a stadium, which is so cool. My issue actually more than anything with this uh, with this map or whatever or 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 uh board is it feels incomplete without the other half <laughs> and, yeah i agree with that and, and like there are some that like you can that like feel naturally like they bleed into the other one maybe a little bit better um this one absolutely just it's a harsh transition if you like look at the art next to like any other art which feels crappy because you spend all this money to see this cool board and you don't get to see the full field, right? Um, Which is the case with all of them, but it's it's, it's different from it's one heightened. to the next. It's right? heightened for this one, whereas I feel like there are some uh, that, uh, like I feel like the Bandlewood Outpost, for instance, um, is one that does not suffer from that. I feel like that feels I like- I think it's because it's the lines. It's the lines on the field. Mm-hmm. That only draw halfway across. Another one that suffers from this really badly is Dark Horizons. The one that's the full circle of the dark portal. Yep. Um, When you only have half the dark portal and it blends into a scene from Demacia, it feels very incomplete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what, I mean, while we're here in, uh, uh, in your, your cosmetic, uh corner corner cosmetic closet cosmetic closet, closet yes uh which uh if i'm gonna rate the name of the segment a plus a plus oh, plus thank you well I appreciate done. that um what is your favorite board i don't know if i know this uh my favorite board is sentinel sanctuary ribbon mm, interesting okay. um that is the sentinel sanctuary board the white and black that has the cracks through it with uh, Riven's blade and the and the crimson coming through ah, it. Ah, gotcha. The one I use basically on everything. Um, a close second. Uh, for me, I don't. Is it even available anymore? I don't think that it is. Um, it's not Planet Earth. It's. It was like the season of the bowl or whatever. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what the name of it even is. Uh, I can look Club it up because I have it. Is that what it is? Yeah. There's a, it's um, a year of the ox. Yep, yeah. Yeah, Club Ox. Uh, that's mm-hmm. like my second favorite one, uh, largely because I really like the music in it. Right. That's a big thing. So like my favorite music is the one from the arcade. It's very mm-hmm. soothing, very like, like les- let- it kind of helps you think, if anything. Um, but then visually, my favorite one is the uh, uh, the Lagoon one of the Lagoon of Legends, the beach party one. See, the thing uh, is... Yeah. The board doesn't bother me. I can I feel like I can separate the board from the game because it's like a play mat. Like I played on I've played tournaments in in all those card games on play mats of all sorts and sizes and varieties. And so to me, this is like a play mat. But then the art on the cards still needs to be consistent. So it's weird. 
yeah yeah that's interesting i mean there are other boards that i i do really mm-hmm. like and mm-hmm. i have never picked up um i also own the lee sin board which is one of my favorite boards um especially because i just love the red trees i, I really like the aesthetic of the lee sin board it is hard to play it without playing lee mm-hmm. sin but i've played a lot of lee sin so uh i guess i've i've gotten to use it a lot um, I am dead to buy Snowy Glade before Christmas this year, though. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that um, Gwent did, because Gwent has uh, has boards um, a- a- as well, and for a long time they would do this thing where you would um, it they would like blend between the two boards, but what what they said is they end up removing that feature. Because it was cool because your board would like subtly blend into the uh, per- other person's board. So they basically had like uh-huh. custom like animation or like not animations, but custom like visuals based on what the other board was. But they removed that saying, look, it's limiting our creative design for, for boards and we want to give you cooler boards. So what they did instead was say, you can either turn on a setting that says I only ever play with my board and it's on the entire thing. So like I so see my board, it, you see your board, right? But then they also had another thing where you can turn it off so that um, it will be whoever is the first player, you'll see their their board. Um, okay. And so like you know if you like that, then you can queue up your board, and if you're the first player, they get to see your board if they have that turned on and revel in it and enjoy it. And if you uh, and if you play against them and you they have a board you don't have, you get to play on it and it's cohesive. It's the full thing. You're having a battle on the deck of a ship. You're having a battle in the frozen, you know, wasteland or whatever. I don't know. So it would be cool to me if there was a feature so that I could like look at the sunken shipyard like back to back and look at you know the um, I don't know the the Zon one that I really like back to back so it's cohesive just like the stadium yeah i think that's really interesting because they they have sort of like a mixed vibe for some of the boards because like for jinx for example you wouldn't want a mere jinx board necessarily it would look almost weird because of the amount of jinx on the board Mm -hmm. um but the battle academia one a hundred percent yeah like you would want that even like uh a lot of the base game ones, like mm-hmm. the Frailyard one, um, like they're like there's some that feel like they're 100 percent complete with their half of the board, and there is some that feel like you have 50 percent of the yes. board. Yes, yes. Um, and it is, I, I think that you're right. I think the bat to, to bring it back and wrap it up. I think the Battle Academia one is is one that feels a little bit more. It's not as bad as some. It's not as bad as Dark Horizons. But it feels a little bit more like you have 50% of the board, whereas you brought a playmat with you, you know? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah. Well, let's go into our last segment for this show, uh, DBN, and you're going to be heading up this one. Huh. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't actually have a cool, fancy, catchy title for this, like... Uh, Dang it. You know, like Mark's Cosmetic Closet or or yeah, whatever. Like, that's it. That was it. Because uh, that's a pretty cool title. So I don't. But I did have uh, – I did want to have a discussion. I've actually been wanting to talk about this for a few weeks now. Actually, like a little over a month. Um, and uh, I I started writing a article 
that I quickly realized I didn't have time to write. But the title of it was, um, it was had to do with the last round of balance patches. And the title of it was, In Defense of Merciless Hunter. Okay. And it all stemmed from the idea of, I understand why Merciless Hunter is getting nerfed. And here's all the reasons why I don't think it should. And it has literally nothing to do with its like presence in the strongest decks because it is undoubtedly a very potent card and one that was being featured in some of the strongest decks at the time. However, it has everything to do with my argument that the game is better off with cards like that. Cards that are exceptionally strong, very flexible, and require absolutely zero synergy. And that's something that LOR doesn't seem to have much of. I would say that what we're talking about here, really, I was initially thinking of it as the term good stuff. And you've heard me use this before, especially because in Tessel, that was a term that was thrown around quite a lot. Uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, which which Mark and I have the most experience with, uh, Gibby didn't play it. Um, Elder Scrolls Legends had this idea that most of the cards that were being printed um, were, I don't want to say like generic, but they they very rarely required any other specific uh, synergy um, to get value. It was only in certain cards that could either double that value or or through unique keyword interactions um, receive that value again. So for instance, something that whenever the ward, which is basically barrier, would break, you'd summon a unit. Okay, by itself, it is playable. It is usable. It is good. But then you can add synergy by putting more things that can give it that barrier a second time or a third time, right? But the best cards in the game and the cards that built that decks were built around and were built off the backs of were the cards like Merciless Hunter. They come down, they have good stats, they have a useful effect that doesn't require you to have anything else or rely on your opponent to be playing something specific. They're just good stuff. In a lot of games, that's called staples. I mean, that's really what we're talking about, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. staples. And my argument here is that LOR needs more staples. They need you know, more cards like Merciless Hunter. I uh, I agree with that. And I will, because uh, I actually, if I'm thinking back, I, I think that it had it. And the pull has been diluted through the last handful of expansions. Because if you think back to uh, open beta, um, we talked about that a lot with Freljord. Freljord, that was kind of like one of their things, right? They had Avaros and Hearthguard, 5-5 five, five that buffs your deck for 5. Um, you know, you had, uh, you just had some cards that were like, okay, for the mana that you were playing them, that was part of sort of their identity was overstatted stuff. That's not really the case with Freljord today, but at least initially it was like, yep, you play good stuff. You just throw a bunch of good stuff in the deck. Uh, and maybe you can think of other factions that did that well too, but I, I do feel like that good stuff has like printing cards that are just like, well, this is just statistically a good card um, has been a little bit diluted uh, over specifically the target in the Sharima expansions. Not so much Bilgewater. Bilgewater had those. Bilgewater did have those, actually. And that's a great point, because um, if you look at Bilgewater and you look at the cards that were very 
powerful right out of the gate. Um, it, it came in the form of a lot of very flexible uh, tools that enabled Bilgewater to be, for better or worse, played in almost every other faction because you had uh, powerhouses like Yordle Grifter that would come down and immediately hand you so an ability to trigger something. Now, granted, that is a synergy enabler, right? But it, it, it was not a uh, um, a payoff card. It required no commitment to just pick up that that spell, which you would think, yes, ideally it is used to help trigger plunder, but it could also be used as discard fodder, right? For a, a PNZ or a Noxus discard deck. It could be used um, uh, in conjunction with Ezreal, right? To trigger spells created and spells spent for Lee Sen, Things like that, right? So, um, make it rain. An an excellent example of a good stuff, no synergy required. It, so, like, think about like Black Spear. Black Spear is a great card that's been used, you know, in and out for a long time in LOR's history. But it is high synergy. It has a stiff requirement for an awesome payoff, right? And that's mm -hmm. cool. There's nothing wrong with that. The no, reason no, no. the reason you need good stuff cards, you need staples, is to enable greater experimentation and to establish the presence of a strong mid-range archetype. Because we have seen throughout the course of LOR's history, when there is a lack of a powerful mid-range deck, the environment turns into a rock-paper-scissors contest between aggro, control, and combo. Mm-hmm. And every time that that happens, the game hemorrhages viewers on Twitch. The game struggles to get people to log in. And, you know, discussion on Reddit turns vitriolic until a new infusion of cards. And that's all well and good. To a certain extent, that's just video games, right? Like, sure, that's just sure. how and it's the nature of card games, especially. Right. But I do think that there are things that can be done in that space. And the one I wanted to talk to you talk about tonight was just simply it's okay to have staples. It's okay to have just cards that are by themselves powerful and good. And it's not a problem to see them in every deck because even though Sivir and Akshan could go pick up Merciless Hunter and it's yet another piece and they're absurdly powerful toolkit at the time, right? Um, yeah. It also enables, uh, Gibby and I to go and build a legitimately playable uh, Trundle deck uh, focusing on uh, snowballing regeneration units through the mid game. Legitimately mm. potent. Like we took it into, I think Gibby was uh, plat at the time and we won like uh, five or six games out of like seven or eight. Right. Um, but the card that we went and picked up to, secure the early game where did we go we went to merciless hunter right if you have cool combinations of cards like synergies that are not as fleshed out as the ridiculous level of cohesion that is just printed into the game with things like tk soraka deep uh rexai and 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 uh pike like we just talked yeah, about lurk you're talking about a lot of synergies that are handed to you on a silver platter and that's okay, I guess. I would. I have some issues with it, but it would be better if you had the these you know non pre-written decks and archetypes able to see the light of day 
through the use of, you know, uh, just powerhouse units that can get you later into the game, into the mid game, into even the late game uh, to enable cooler synergies and more unique combinations. Um, and so when I look at cards, like look at the last round of, of, of nerfs, I look at cards like shape stone and I say, Hey, you got my thumbs up. That was a ridiculous card. It was absolutely ridiculous level of impact for the cost considering the synergy yeah you gotta play landmarks okay but in those landmark decks this is blowing everything out of proportion so do i say it gets a nerf heck yeah it's not hurting the decks uh that aren't playing landmarks yeah but merciless hunter uh, hurts the uh, entire uh, uh, pool yeah, and you know what? I think there are some cards that are kind of similar to that. We saw something similar when... Uh, I, I think there's some... Because there's staple creatures, right? But there's also staple, staple spells. Mm -hmm. I think we saw that hit in Bilgewater when we saw uh, Make It Rain take the hit. Yep. Um, and uh, we saw that in Bilgewater when we saw um, uh, Riptide Rex take the hit. Mm -hmm. um, even though there's some synergy there, it's not hard. Um, we saw that in Targon when we saw Pale Cascade take a hit, um, a card that I would, I would consider to be probably the most quintessential staple in Targon uh, was that card. I'm trying to think. You know what? We saw that in Ionia mm -hmm. when we saw Will of Ionia get hit. Yes. Because um, I would say that Will Ionia was uh, a, a staple card. The I think part of the reality of what you're getting at is, is that when you look at a faction, it's hard to pick out more than one or maybe two. And some of them have been nerfed to the point that they're no longer staple cards. Um, but more than that, you it's very difficult to pick out one more than two staple cards. In my estimation, and I could be wrong because I'm just glancing through the collection, and maybe mm -hmm. you can post in the Discord afterwards. Okay, like, no, like, Noxus... I don't even know what card in Noxus you would consider to be a staple. If I'm perfectly honest with you, that like you just like when you go to Noxus, this card always goes in. I don't. I don't even know that there is one. It it seems like they uh, like because if you're gonna play aggression, you're gonna play Arachnoid that. Sentry uh, yeah, maybe. is maybe the only one. Arachnoid Sentry is uh, yeah. Very, House very... Spider's also, I guess, good. And House right. Spider is well, it, yes, it, I would say that is a lower tier staple. Uh, to me, Arachnoid Sentry is the card that it it can go in a spider's deck, but it's also exceptionally potent in anything that's not, you know, aggro and sometimes also yeah. aggro. Uh, so, because uh, stunning is flexible, and, and and I would argue, um, there need to be more creatures that are staples than spells. I think that's the yeah. problem. We have spells like Make It Rain, like Troll Chant, uh, like Twin Disciplines now. Um, that are just like mind-bogglingly powerful for the cost, single especially combat. single combat, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is there's not that level of all-around utility um, and flexible utility uh, in creatures. There are good okay, creatures, me... but they tend to be funneling into a champion. So this is my question. This is my question. Do you think that is a design... I'm not going to say a flaw, but a design intentionality because they do not want you don't want staple creatures because you have staple champions because of like not every like every game 
card game has legendaries, mm-hmm. right? And they have mm-hmm. legendary creatures. And those those creatures, you might even build around your deck. Like, you might build your deck around yogg Serana. You might build your deck around Cthulhu. Or you might build your deck around, you know, I don't know, some other legendary card. There, there was less of that, I would say, in Tessel. And less of that, I think, even in, like, Eternal and stuff. Um, than there is in um, in in things like Hearthstone or in LOR. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of like, in this game, you're really picking your two champions and then you're building your deck around it. Virtually every single deck that you're going to build in all of LOR is going to be this. You are going to pick your two champions and then you're going to build the rest of your, your rest of your deck is going to build around the synergy of those two champions because those are your staples. There are rare occasions where we see a no champion deck rise because aggro is strong enough for it. Not often, but it has happened. And there's occasional times when it's important enough for you to tutor for a specific champion that your deck is so synergistic around one champion, like an Anivia or a Fiora, mm-hmm. that you're going to play cards that draw only that champion because you don't want to run the risk of getting a different one or resurrecting a different one. Other than that, you're always going to pick two champions. But do you think it's just because the design space is such that the champions are the staples and, and therefore other cards can't be? Other creatures can't be? Uh, do I think that it is an intentional design philosophy to try to f- build specifically creatures that funnel into a champion? Yes. Do I think that that is a flaw? Also, yes. The, the, the thing is, and, and it's not it's not been a consistent thing either. There are creatures that are standalone quite strong, and they don't always seem to have issues with those creatures uh, until they are part of a very powerful synergy-driven deck, right? So, for instance, I think back to uh, Thresh Nasus. I mean, that mm-hmm. was absolutely demolishing everything for like two months, three months, right? And And I predicted it. By the way, I'm just going to pat myself on the back one more time. I absolutely, before the Thresh Nasus <laughs> patch, before the Thresh Nasus patch, I looked at it and I said, uh, here are the things getting nerfed. It's everything that Thresh Nasus struggles against. Thresh, Thresh Nasus is going to dominate, and it did. But what got nerfed from it? If you look back and think about the things that got nerfed from it, um, the biggest one and perhaps the most impactful one for everything was Dune Keeper. Dune Keeper got the hit. The problem is Dune Keeper was propping up experimental archetypes all over the place because people needed the ability to drop two blockers with one action. More than that, they sometimes just needed to get two units to try out some really cool experimental, you know, go wide strategies, which weren't as much of a thing. Cursed Keeper as well hurt that deck a lot. The yeah. Cursed Keeper nerfed to escape uh, Abomination mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and that is, I would say that Cursed That's Keeper, although it's synergistic, it's it's synergistic, but it, it has been a staple in, uh, if you yeah. were going to play Shadow Isles, has a you almost always are playing Cursed Keeper. It, it has a package. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having like certain like, like keyword driven packages like Last Breath or Last Gasp or whatever it's called in this game. Um death rattle uh <laughs> but um but i i think um you know from the perspective of like looking at cards like omen hawk omen hawk got nerfed dune keeper dune keeper got nerfed i mean there's just so many examples of units especially early game units merciless hunter being the most recent victim um that it's instead of dealing with the synergies that are going crazy and enabling really strong things they are hurting the um 
the workhorse units specifically um, that are putting the board state in uh, or they're giving you an advantage on board. Um, but the problem is if you keep taking away the uh, the good stuff units that are are helping secure board like status, you're hurting all of those other decks that have slower synergies that might be really interesting to include. Could, could the most iconic one, and I almost forgot about this one, could the most iconic good stuff that got adjusted be Loyal Badger Bear and oh, by, God, yeah, forgot about by that. Connection uh, Grizzled, Ranger. Grizzled Ranger? Grizzled Ranger. I mean, Loyal Badger Bear Grizzled Ranger was like such a powerhouse four drop, three drop, four drop. It was so much good stuff in those two cards. Yep. I mean, it was a little bonkers. Wasn't, but I mean, Ranger, honestly, wasn't has, Ranger also four attack at one point? Or was it a, a three-two or a four-two or something like that? Uh, it had I more stats. Ranger was a four-one. I think Ranger was a four-one, and and a uh, loyal Badger Bear was a three-mana four-four. Um, yeah, at one be, time. I just know like ninety-five percent sure. It got nerfed twice. Is the point? Yes, it got hit twice. And and you know, I think that's a great example. I mean, um. Because those were like the one of the last times I can remember Demacia on its own mm -hmm. being really strong when it wasn't using synergistic stuff. Like there was a season when, uh, you know, that wasn't bad with dragons, right? There sure. was a, a Demacia with dragons. I maybe there is a Demacia list that I'm not thinking of. I guess right now there is, right? The Poppy. Poppy's kind of like a, a Poppy is a really strong sort of like just straight up good stuff champion as well. I mean, I think you can make that argument. Uh, yeah, one could argue that as a champion. For, for sure, but it, it's only because, and and really, I mean, if you want to get technical about it, it is a, it is a synergy. It's synergizing off of wide board states, but it's just a really wide open one, kind of like a zir as well. Like yeah. the it, it it the synergy is not a keyword. It's not a mechanic. It is simply a play style. The synergy and you is can go about that play style a lot of different a lot of ways. different ways, and that's a good thing. I may not like Poppy, but I don't think Poppy, and, and similarly to Azir, until Aurelia came around, I never had a single issue with Azir. I still don't. I, all my issues lie with Aurelia. Um, and, uh, and so, like, I don't think there's anything explicitly wrong in that. It might be a little overtuned, but there's nothing wrong with, with um, you know, from a, from a mechanic standpoint, uh, with, with focusing on the board. My other thing here is, I guess I'll say, you know, um, I think back to Tessel and Hearthstone, and when you got into like the five, six, seven, eight drops, you had a lot more impactful units. And I've talked about this before, and I think that it comes down to, again, like the good stuff argument, right? You remember Leaf Lurker? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a straight up, like, five, five mana, four, three, mm -hmm. killed something that was damaged, right? Yeah, it had a uh, it had a guillotine effect attached to a, a body. It's not something that didn't exist elsewhere in the game. Similarly, it's not something that doesn't exist in um, uh, LOR, but imagine if you had a six drop, because I think that that would about equate to the, the mana cost of Leaf Lurk. I, th I generally think of Tesla as, like, translated to LOR, everything is, like, one point higher. Um mm. But imagine if you had a six drop, uh, probably Noxus, that was like a four three or a four four, and it said, "Summon, uh, destroy something that has a uh, that 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 is damaged, right?" Mm -hmm. More cards like that, and and, and it doesn't have to be necessarily that. I mean, thinking about, um, do you remember the um, 
the uh, Bone Mare and Hearthstone. Uh, yeah, four mana, one one. That when it died, it came back. Uh, no, no, no. You're no a Bone Mare. I'm pretty sure was the eight drop that gave plus four, plus four to a to a friendly yep. unit. You're right. You're right. That other one was a Warlock card, and it was the Nightmare card, I believe. Yeah, Bone Mare. Um. So imagine like that card, right? A card that comes down and gives you instant utility into making your attacks and and whatnot. Um, I, I I looked at um that eight drop in Targon, um, uh, uh, Grandfather Rummel, and I looked at that. Yeah, and I said, that's if, the closest to it. I said if this card, uh, if this card had, uh, plus four attack, um, to the ability, and and if he didn't have the four attack on his uh, uh um stats, if he was I think a, a four four, but he gave plus four plus four. We'd be having a different discussion. I think that there's a little bit of cowardice from the designers, and I don't mean this as an insult, but I think that they're they're timid when it comes to making generic non synergistic uh, um, units, especially in the upper range. Um, cards like Captain Farron, cards like. Um, even I guess, Rasha. well, Rasha Synergy Ladros maybe might be the be next best example, um, but there's Ladros, very few. Riptide, Rasha, yeah, yeah there, there's very few examples of 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 units that. I mean, look at the, the some of the better. I'm looking at Frailyard right now. Rhymefang Denmother have to be freezing. Scarmother Vrenna have to be damaging. Um, you look at uh, Tusk Raider, arguably just not playable, but uh, you have to be plundering. Right, you have uh, Leviathan have to be playing Swain. I mean, these these high end units um, are just a, a struggle. Lost Soul, really cool card. You have to be discarding. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Lost Soul can run on its own, but it's a lot better in discarding, right? Like, cause you want to get it rolling. Yep. Um, Yawfish have to lurk. Riptide Rex have to plunder. You, you, you I'm not saying. That you need to print, uh, you know, late game cards that are as good as an optimal Yawfish or an optimal, um, uh, you know, Leviathan with Swain already on the board. Synergies should be higher level than good stuff when it's paired together. But there's a massive discrepancy right now. And I think that that's my whole point is when you keep hitting the merciless hunters of the metagame instead of the synergies that are capitalizing on the momentum built by these powerful, well-statted, easy-to-use units, um, you end up just furthering the divide in the meta between what is competitively viable and what's not. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that. Like the divide between what is what is competitively viable and what is not, has certainly continued to grow throughout this game. And I, I don't know that I've put my thumb on why that is. I just know that I have felt it as I've played the game that it is harder and harder and harder and harder to play a suboptimal list. Um, it has gotten significantly more difficult now, and in, uh, in beta it was very easy there was a lot of lists that you could play that weren't perfectly optimized and this wasn't because people didn't have full collections people had full collections this wasn't because there wasn't a lot of people playing the game and we hadn't discovered stuff there was more people playing the game at least in terms of streaming it and watching it being streamed at that time mm -hmm. um i just feel like in the early stages 
there was, uh, a, like you said, a little bit more good stuff, a little bit more ability to play suboptimally. Um, and I think, yeah, I think suboptimally discussion. is a, I just want to clarify, I, I think suboptimally is maybe not even the best way to think about it, but but to to look for um, alternate approaches to the game. Right. I mean, you can look at the meta and say this is probably optimal, but you don't know until you've really experimented and dove deep into the other options and found other ways to approach the metagame. If something is particularly fast, sure, you could try to match it or you can try to find, uh, you know, removal pieces that slow it down. You can attack the issue of a really fast meta from multiple vantage points, Right. And similarly, I think that that's the problem that we're seeing here. And 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 my last example is I, I'm going to tell you a card that used to be I, arguably a staple, but now hasn't been nerfed. But considering the power level of everything that has grown around it as a base set card, it now sees almost no play. Okay. Scythria the Bold. Uh yeah yeah that that would have been a staple in uh, I I think that is a lot because Demacia itself board centric Demacia isn't seeing a lot of play like the sort of build a wide board and and, and you know yeah. so much now the demands of the meta mean that if a card can't come down and immediately have an effect it's just too slow it's too slow and, and if there is a delayed effect it has got to be oppressive. So mm -hmm. that will be a discussion for a future week. Next time I'm on, Mark, uh, with the two of us, we're going to talk about uh, power ramp and power creep, and and okay, and talk yeah. about and and try to like examine as as since we've been doing it for so long and we played back in the beta, I, I do really think there's a lot to explore here. And what is the new norm in terms of power level? And how should uh, the team, the LOR team, in our eyes, our non-designer eyes, be approaching it? So that's a spoiler uh, for you guys uh, next time uh, Mark and I are here together on uh, the Legends cast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. We're a little bit over what we usually are in Season 3, but we want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. And we do want to close out the show by announcing our two champs in a hat for next week. Next week. Gibby and DBN, Woo. you two are going to be playing together. And, uh, well, not playing together. You guys are going to be playing separate decks. But you guys are going to be playing uh, the two champs that randomly got drawn out this time, Siver and Aurelian Soul. Siver and Aurelian <laughs> Soul. Wow. Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm actually kind of excited for this one. I, uh, I already have an idea or two. Um, but you know, spell shield meta, I got, I got, uh, the big dragon, uh, the old, uh, uh, Clifford, the big red dragon here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be uh, really excited to see how I can tie him in with the really strong sort of mid game, right. Of Sivir. Uh, but you know, uh, when you have 10 attack, you're definitely triggering reputation, baby. So oh, you are. Uh, hopefully, it's already done by then. But just in case, our big dragon can uh, can uh, can get that reputation. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure that uh, Gibby has some crazy ideas cooking already. Uh, it's so interesting. There's just so little synergy between the two of them. 
Uh, it's so it, they're they're an interesting set of champions. Um, okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you to all of our uh, supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast. If you want to become a supporter of the show, grab the link in the description below. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, and uh, thanks for listening. Be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.